welcome back to the podcast. I'm Cass and every week I bring you another guest who tells us their story and gives us any tips to combat the shit that life loves to throw our way. This week I've been thinking about emotions and how important it is to feel, process and work through them. For too long I would bury whatever it was that I was feeling and try to carry on as normal but I was still hurting underneath and slowly I made a subconscious facade which is not healthy and I didn't really want because I love the fact that I'm true to myself what you see is what you get so as I've gotten older I've worked on removing that mask and letting myself truly feel whatever emotion has come my way without hiding it my guest this week is someone who understands and helps others to surrender to their emotions in order to heal and then to grow. She works with high-powered business women who struggle with the juggling of a perfect work-home life balance because it is so hard in this day and age to have it all and to be able to do it solo. So my guest this week is the amazing Carlin Langya. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm so good and I'm so excited for this conversation. So you are a spiritual life coach and a surrender specialist. Do you want to tell my listeners a bit about that? Sure. So I like to combine, I have a scientific background in my former career as a wildlife conservation manager. And through the work that I've done with myself, working with different mentors and coaches on my own journey, I really came to infuse a lot of the the spirituality as well, which brought me into the longer lasting, deeper transformational shifts. So I really like to infuse both the the science behind um, behind this as well as the spirituality. I love that. I mean, I'm, I've always been very spiritual. I've always been in tune with like the spiritual side of life, but I do like to have a logical brain on myself and look for the logical answer before I say, no, it's just a higher up energy. Right. And we are having a human experience. We are here on earth in the three dimension. So anything that we incorporate really has to be grounded into our human experience. Otherwise, we have this kind of floaty, ethereal experience that doesn't yeah. fully integrate into our the full spectrum of our humanity, which is, you know, in the spiritual world, there is a lot of bypassing of, of the energies, emotions. Yeah that feel heavier, that are more dense, that are challenging and they're written off as bad or wrong, but it's just part of our human experience as well. And we get to honor both sides of the spectrum and love, acknowledge, embrace, and learn from all of it. Oh, I love that. And what do you mean? I mean, I know we've spoken about it before, but do you want to tell my listeners what you mean about surrendering? Absolutely. So surrender to me isn't this sense of giving up or resigning, you know, throw in the towel. That's the definition I kind of grew up with. 
Yeah. In terms of like raise the white flag, like <laughs> I you, give you up. Defeated us. <laughs> well, um, all over again. <laughs> and it's instead more this sense of just allowing and accepting, like truly being present with what is as well yeah. as what is not. And I think that's it's challenging because we're so used to doing something. And it's really cultivating the state of being. Yeah. I found that as I've got older, I'm surrendering to letting myself feel the negative and acknowledging it rather than trying to hide it. And that's what you mean about the surrendering. It's uh, not trying to fight it. Just it's there. You may as well acknowledge it. But then by acknowledging it and by accepting it and by surrendering to it, you can also work through it. Absolutely. And I think we have, because of our societal conditioning, because of our kind of programmed, this is right, wrong, good or bad, a very binary approach to the world that we have natural resistance to things that don't feel good or that we think are wrong. It's a lot like grief as well. Grief is a massive one. It's one thing that I've always struggled with it. It's uh, acknowledging that somebody's gone, understanding that, you know, their time on this earth, this time is over, but I always believe that we'll see other people again. And it's that that wave, acknowledging that wave when it hits you. Mm -hmm. I think grief is truly a portal into surrendering because we don't know when a wave is going to hit us or how it's going to hit us. And we have these notions of you should be this far along after this time. And, you know, just the other day I came to three years of my husband's death and by society standards, it's like, Oh, you know, everything you should be in a good place by now, or it should be fine. And, And mostly I am, but you never know when, something is just going to hit you like a brick wall and you yep. honor it and, and trust that it's part of the process and trust that yep. safe, we're divinely held, we're divinely supported in allowing ourselves to let go of these expectations of the how, who, you know, why, when, where that our yep. mind wants to cling to and, and figure out and know. Well, it's like it's in tuned in us with grief that time heals time will make it better it doesn't we just Mm. become more resilient and know how to work through each wave as it appears and I know I've struggled I I had grandparents that I was extremely close to who passed away and it devastated me and I was an adult and it devastated me and I would have waves upon waves. And at the beginning, it was like every time I thought I was finally overcoming a wave, another one would hit. I felt like I was like metaphorically drowning in grief. Mm. But then as time went on, the waves would hit less and less, but the power behind the waves never lessened. Mm-hmm. And it was just I had to so work true. through it. Yeah, I think that's a really important point you raised because I actually stopped believing in the fact that time heals. It's really Mm -hmm. doing the inner work. It's really allowing ourselves to face what's underneath 
and allow the emotions to come through because the more we resist it, the more it will persist. Yes. So time, yes, will in addition to doing the work will yeah. lessen the blow at times, but maybe not, you know, maybe yeah. we'll have a really, like you said, a powerful wave just slam up. Again. And it, it can come at any, any point because you could be walking down the street and I've done it in the past. I've been walking down the street and I've seen a little old lady who's got curly hair like my Nana did. And I know she's gone, but from the back, I, that little second of hope of could that be her? And then the devastating wave hits and goes, nope. And I'm in the middle of town. I'm having to work through this grief whilst trying to maintain that I'm okay. Like trying not to show everybody else that I've just been completely devastated once more. Mm -hmm. And I think it's too bad that it isn't more normalized in the sense. Yeah. Being able to be open and vulnerable about our emotions and because they are just emotions and yeah, do they will come and go, but if we repress them, it's going yeah. to add us more. And allowing ourselves to heal in community is so powerful. So when we can be witnessed in these vulnerable moments and even supported and held or seen and heard, it can yeah. amplify that that the processing of the grief, which is a beautiful thing. We are a communal species. I believe we were meant, you know, traditionally. Yeah. As we evolved, that's how we grieved. A lot of traditional societies still have beautiful ceremonies when they lose their loved ones and they yeah. wail and they cry like, like, you know, animals. And it's, yeah. it's amazing. It's so moving. See, I've always said that once I pass, I like my funeral is going to be like no other. It's going to be joke upon joke upon joke. Mm. You know, as soon as my eulogy is finished by my husband, I want to be like jumping up out the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take playing of let me out, let me out, I'm here. As I'm being put in, you know, uh, I want people laughing because mm. that's what I want to bring. I want to bring laughter and joy to it a hard time because I think that helps you to heal I know all of my family one thing we always did at the end of every funeral was tell funny stories about the person that's passed away because it helped us to heal because we all had these memories and by laughing you can not push away the sadness but you can recognize it and say yes but I'm also happy because mm -hmm. I knew them Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of it is that we can have and hold the, the duality of the experience. Yeah. Sorrow with the humor or the gratitude. And darkness and light. Too. It's and always it's really, the duality, isn't it? That, that is life. You are always going to have the duality and it's up to you to face it and say, I accept it and let's work through it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what a gift life is and yes. what a learning opportunity it is for us. So to be able to celebrate it, like you said, yeah. make it a party and just <laughs> really dance. Or tell People are going to be coming to mind and being like, I don't know what to expect, but expect the unexpected because she's got so many things up her, up her sleeve. 
<laughs> we called um, my late husband instead of having, you know, the, the funeral, we had a celebration of life, but we yeah. did it. He was very like artsy and creative. So to play off his energy, instead of just calling it celebration of life, and his name was Cam for Camille. So we called it a Camboree. <laughs> there are all kinds of cakes because he had not just a sweet tooth, but sweet teeth. And <laughs> you know, we had a dance party at the end. Oh, wow. Very much like telling stories. And so you, you really did commemorate who he was as a person. I think that's one thing that with a traditional funeral, it's very somber. It's very dark and everybody is just the feeling the weight of it whereas if you personalize it to who that person was and who that what that person brought to your life it can make it so much more easier to say the final goodbye it's that I accept you and thank you for the gift that you gave me by including me in your life and here I am saying thank you to that as well as saying goodbye for now because I don't believe we say goodbye forever. So true. And the fact that we're living on. Yes. That person within our heart, they do not die so long as we're nope. continuing our own legacy because all of us who have benefited and grown and learned from that person in our life, we're living out some aspect of that person or their gifts or what was shared even the difficult moments, because we yes. grow from them. So even if we have painful memories, we still get to incorporate that as, oh, well, I've learned this has enhanced my overall perspective of what it, what it is to be human. And we are spiritual beings having a human experience. So we get to really embrace all of our humanity through that. And I think it's an important lesson for us all to keep in mind is that we do affect people without even realizing it. So why not put the best of ourselves out there instead of acting on the negative or, you know, hurting people? Just put out the best because you never know what part of you someone's going to take. Right. And at the same time, when I see people hurting or focusing on the negative, it's brought me to a deeper compassion of, oh, they must be hurting in yeah. at some level or responding to some level of trauma that hasn't been resolved yet. And yeah. if you've heard the expression, hurt people, hurt people. And yes. on the, the, the flip side of it, which you don't hear as much of, healed people, heal people. Yeah, I've never heard that side of it, but it's so true. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've always gone by um, the late Robin Williams. He is like an idol of mine. I was so devastated by his death. And one of the things that I've always kept in mind was he wanted to make people laugh so that they didn't hurt the way that he was hurting. And that stuck with me because that's basically what I'm trying to do through this podcast is I'm trying to stop mm. people from feeling uh, it's wrong because I shouldn't stop people but I'm trying to give people the tools and bring to the attention like guests like yourself places that they can go people they can go and talk to so they can work through the things that they're feeling in their lives to get to the future that they want 
rather than being stuck by grief or, you know, problems in the relationships, whatever it is that's making you stuck, I want to help unstick it. Exactly. And I think a lot of times areas that we're stuck in are from our subconscious. Yeah. We don't, we can't, what we can't see. So what's in our subconscious, if we don't bring it into the light to see it, to work with it, to transmute it or transform it, it's going to keep running 90 to 95% of the show for us in our lives. Yeah. Because consciously we all have these goals and desires, but then when we actually go for them, we self-sabotage or. Yeah. And, and it's in working through these subconscious energies, what Carl Jung defined as shadow work. That's where we can really make the transformational leaps and access the parts of us that are holding us back in a sense. Yeah. We can actually work through them, confront them and have, you know, the breakthrough instead of the breakdown. Yeah. Do you want to explain to Melissa's a bit about shadow work? Because I know you've spoke to me a lot about it. Sure. So shadow work is really um, doing, you know, in my case, I do some quantum or energy healing to access areas that were typically formed between the ages of zero and seven that yeah. have really imprinted in us. So we might have these core wounds that we're operating from without even knowing it. And it could be something that happened in our life, but we, yeah. our mind has created a meaning behind it. Yeah. So this, the meaning of what happened is what leads us through the rest of our life. So we're not necessarily recreating the story and changing what happened, but we get to rewrite the narrative of what happened in a way that's still true. Yeah. It empowers us and leads to more productive thoughts actions, behaviors, instead of self-sabotaging ones. That really resonates with me because I think I've spoke about it before, but I, because I was an asthmatic as a kid, I always felt like a burden and I, I was an asthmatic from a very, very young age. So obviously between those ages, so I've always felt like a burden to my family because they had to sacrifice a lot to look after me. and. As I've got older, I've guarded my independence as fiercely as I can. I do not like to ask for help. I don't like to accept help. I like to do as much as I can at work to try and, you know, make sure that people know I can do this by myself. And it's it just causes me a lot of burnout. So as I've been thinking about it, as I've been working through it, I've now realized I don't need to do it all to show that I'm not a burden. I'm not a burden to anyone. The only burden I'm being is to me. So going forward, I need to be able to ask for help more and realize it's not a weakness. Right. Right. And in our culture that emphasizes the individualism and the be strong, you can do it on your own. It's mm-hmm. over, We over glamorize that. To the point yeah. where we don't allow ourselves to lean on the help and support that we're meant to have, not just yeah. tangibly, but we've also disconnected ourselves ourselves from the intangible, the unseen 
support of our spirit team, our guides, yeah. our beings, you know, protectors that, you know, I didn't embrace that <laughs> very openly and overtly yeah. until my husband's death, to be honest. So, wow. Have that notion of, yeah, they're there, but, you know, there's a little bit of shame or taboo yeah. behind it still. Yeah. You always classed as a bit cuckoo if you believed in spirit, whereas, my family was always very spiritual. We always believed that there was other spirits and higher ups. Um, so I was, it was easier for me to ask for help from what I couldn't see than for me to ask for help from people that I knew and spoke to and, you know, had relationships with. It was so much easier for me to not ask for help from them, which is mental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, imagine if we if we flipped that script and how much more connected we would all be and how much more empowered we would be. Yeah, exactly. And now you've created a community to help people that are struggling to connect with, you know, spirit and energies and to also heal traumas that they have gone through. Right. And typically my clients come from a background similar to me. They were very driven, professional, you know, mostly still working in professional career on overdrive because of these core wounds around not feeling good enough or worthy enough. So it plays out in having to prove yourself or achieve or do it on your own and earn, you know, vacation or rest or praise. Yeah. You know, especially with women, there's a lot of inequity in things like salaries or how, yeah, you know, the perception around what a role of a female professional is and a male professional around children and taking care of children. Yes. So a lot of the burden is placed on women and it just mounts into this crushing overwhelm. Yeah of feeling like they have to do it all on their own. And so they come often to me seeking just more ease and enjoyment in their life. They've built a really successful life, but they are on the go, 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 and they don't know how to just take a pause and sit back and and enjoy it because their nervous system is on this drive of go, go, go and fight. Yeah. See, I know one thing that you want to bring out is redefining success into how you feel, not what you have or what you do. And that's a really powerful statement. Completely. And I I think it came from my realization that I was in a world that was externally looked great. Like, wow, Carolyn, you've done everything you've wanted. I was living in and working in Zambia, Africa. So I had as a wildlife conservationist, I had elephants walking through my yard and baboon wow. resting, roosting in the trees above the house and a, a resident leopard and <laughs> all the, the wild animals. It was a dream. I had my community. I created this amazing weekly yoga um, yeah. wearing, you know, on a viewing deck. It, you know, I was mar- happily married. Uh, yes, we had our challenges, but 
we understood each other. We loved each other. Yeah. Deeply committed. And yet my job, even though I was in a career aligned with my passions, I was very desk ridden in a managerial role at that point. So I was yeah. disconnected from what drew me into that field to begin with. So yeah. I lost the connection of what really lit me up and being in in nature and getting to protect the wildlife and the the ecosystems. Yeah. And I was just completely burnt out and anxiety ridden, overwhelmed. And it was that aha of when my husband died, it was a it was a, a pretty tragic suicide that it just hit me like I can't keep living this way. Yeah. It's it's not yes, I've created what I thought, you know, what should be based on my education and my dreams and experience, but this isn't a way to live with panic attacks that you're hiding or to wake up sick to your stomach and dreading going into the office because you're going to get slammed with so many requests or demands or emails and whatnot. Yeah. It's it's very, very hard, especially like you said, with women, because the working week was originally designed so that the men would go out to work, the women would stay at home and look after the house, look after the kids. But yet times have changed. And women are now out at work as well. But the extra duties that they was looking after are still on them. Yes. <laughs> and yes. it's so hard because we're working longer and longer week, but yet our workload hasn't gone down. It's just gone mm-hmm. up. And it's so hard to find time to take for yourself to recharge. And we are all at the moment, it seems, working to live rather than living to work. Well, you know, we're we're living to work rather than working to live. And that's horrible because we're not in this life forever. So why on earth are we spending most of our energy on work? Right. Yes, the mounting pressure too from all of that, that it just, the more you tick off your task list, the more it seems to grow. Yep. So you can never catch up. Like a laundry basket. Never freaking ends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so true. <laughs> Unless you're in a nudist colony, then you've never got a laundry basket. <laughs> you don't have to worry. <laughs> grab some leaves for toilet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's so hard. And another thing that you wrote that I absolutely loved, I've actually got it wrote down. Explore wildly, connect deeply, awaken consciously. That's so zen. And so I love that. And that's the three-part method of my surrender method that I guide my clients through. It consists of the exploring wildly, the connecting deeply, and the awakening consciously. So when they explore wildly that's just like them opening up to possibilities to bring the the positive energy to them rather than remembering remembering certain aspects of themselves that we've maybe repressed or dimmed down or 
not allowed ourselves to express because of the the outer world perceptions. And especially since a lot of my clients have elements of perfectionism. Yeah. But we're not fully self-expressed. And we've even forgotten ourselves who we are at our core. So this could be diving back into inner child work, shadow work to, you know, exploring, like just see what is beneath the surface. And from from this place of non-judgment, but just being curious and putting on a scientific hat of just asking questions like, well, why did I believe this? Or why did I interpret this life event to mean X, Y, or Z? Or is that even true? So it's it's also about getting better at asking ourselves questions and differentiating between what happened versus the story we've told ourselves about that event. So it's learning how to react accordingly and to not react in a way that's going to shut you down from possibilities. And just remember potentially areas that we've buried within us to allow them to resurface. So for, for me, for example, I didn't realize how deeply I had struggled with not feeling worthy enough. And so yeah. played out in my life in these vicious re- repeating cycles. And until I nipped that in the bud, you know, through the other methods, yeah, I couldn't, you know, I would have been stuck there or kept finding myself in jobs or relationship dynamics that continued to perpetuate that story for me that I'm not worthy enough. Or I need to do X, Y, and Z to prove that I'm lovable or worthy enough. Yeah. So I think a lot of us, we always look back at our childhood and go, oh, I wish we could have those days back again. All we're looking for is that freedom of being a kid when we didn't have the responsibilities, we didn't have the worries of paying bills or anything like that. We just could go out and have fun. and. I know I experienced it um, very recently. Um, I used to love, as a kid, just going out on my bike. Whenever I felt well enough, I would just go out on my bike and I would be out all day long just exploring, just going everywhere on my bike. And I hadn't rode a bike for over a decade and I recently got a bike. And in one month, I went over 100 kilometres Wow. Oh my uh, yeah. God. I was just liberating. Yeah. I was just out and about everywhere. I just, I loved it. And now I'm asking my family, I'm like, this weekend, let's go out on a bike ride. And they're like, do we have to again? And it's like, yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> because it brings well, me joy. It helps me to connect to that freeing feeling. Mm-hmm. When we get to be carefree and just. <clears throat> self-expressed as children yeah we're we're told you you shouldn't do that or it's not appropriate to be this right now and right here and so we we stop letting ourselves be our true selves and learn that from a very young age because we do have that natural curiosity and the carefree essence and so when we tap back into that we get to learn and remember a lot of things about who we are at our core 
and yeah, aspects of ourselves that we've just kind of buried. And it's like a volcanic eruption of joy and free, like freedom. You just I remember once I got used to the cycling and that, and once I was out, not so much on streets and roads. I like to be in the woods. I like to be like turning tight corners, going over twigs, you know, going through bushes. And doing that, I had such a smile on my face. And I got home and yes, I was tired, but I just felt so alive Mm. in a way that I hadn't felt in a long time. Alive. Yeah. Because it really is a gift that we're living and we get to choose how we respond to things. We don't have to just be uh, in this survival mode of reacting. Yeah. We're we're now at a point in evolution of our species, you know, evolution of humanity where we're starting to see we can actually thrive we can yeah. become the creators of our lives and thrive instead of just survive like our ancestors. Yeah. And, and no disrespect to that because truly how much gratitude, love and respect do we have for, for them? Yeah. Being that so that we can be here. Well, these times. They had their circumstances that they had to abide to as well. And times were a lot harder back then just to mm-hmm. get through another day, another year. So it's not that we're disrespecting our ancestors, but it's more we do have this freedom to break out of that cycle and why should we be living but not feeling alive? Mm-hmm. And I always believe, I've said it once and I'll say it a million times again, like children are like the next generation is what's going to change the world. And if they see us breaking out of that cycle of just going to work, paying the bills, going to work, paying the bills, if they see us breaking out of that, what are they going to be inspired to do? Exactly. Uh, this is amazing. I love this. So where can my listeners find you? So I'm most active on Instagram at Carlin, my first name, underscore Langyar, my last name, which they can get in the show notes. Yeah. I will be putting up my website within the coming months by the end of summer, Northern Hemisphere. And I do have a private Facebook group that will be a little more active. I kind of go back and forth between activity levels there. Yeah. And... Instagram, I would say, is where you can access the link in my bio to the different um, tools that I have, freebies, as well as upcoming events or learn more about coaching opportunities with me. That's brilliant. And like Carolyn said, all the details will be in my show notes and on my social media pages. And once your website's up and running, please let me know because I'll be promoting that as well for you. So yeah, just thank you so much for this enlightening conversation. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
found my conversation with Carlin as fascinating as I did. She's shown how important it is to find a way to ground yourself in a happy place so that you can accept and work through whatever shit life loves to throw your way, which is what I say at the start of every episode. Carlin's links can be found on my social media pages, which are Facebook at Podcast Official and Instagram and TikTok is at Podcast underscore official. If you've got a funny or inspiring story to share or you just want a Yorkshire girl's advice, please email me at officialpodcast at gmail.com. Please leave a rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or a recommendation on my Facebook page as this helps my podcast to be seen and heard by more people. But I've choose your ear off enough for this week. Watch out for the Billy Bullshitters and I'll talk to you soon on the next episode.